How many of you um, are impatient like me and you hate waiting in lines? Okay, there's six of us being honest this morning. And especially during the Christmas season, it just, the lines everywhere get longer. Now I'm gonna highlight a couple that are just personal annoyances to me. Um, Have you ever had to like renew your driver's license so you go to the DMV? Um, It's like the worst longest line. And I apologize if you work for the Department of Motor Vehicles, um, but it just, it's not good. And then there's another, there's a place that we like to eat frequently or we'll go through the drive-through and that's Chick-fil-A. And I don't care how many Chick-fil-A's they build or how many lines they have, it's always like 20 cars. And so even beyond waiting in lines and drive-throughs, there are some of you, and you know I'm a sports fan, there are sports fans who are waiting for their team to win a championship. I was talking about this at our last night service and a member of our congregation came up to me in the lobby afterwards and he pulled his jacket back and he was wearing a Bears logo. He goes, Pastor, I've been waiting decades. I know exactly what you're talking about. And so um, none of us like to wait. There also though, there are different kinds of waiting. There is an exciting waiting where you are waiting with anticipation where something really good and special that you know is coming, it's just around the corner and you can barely hold your excitement. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're going on a vacation or a trip and so you go to bed the night before and all you can think about is getting to that destination and you can barely sleep because there's anticipation and excitement. Some of you, maybe you graduated high school and you have applied for colleges and you're waiting to see if you got into that university. Others of you, um, you're engaged and you're waiting for your wedding day. And it's like days seem to take a long time because there's a lot of joy and excitement. Maybe for some of you, um, you are pregnant and you're waiting for that day to come where you get to see your son or your daughter for the very first time. There's also though, another kind of waiting. And instead of having anticipation during the waiting, you have trepidation. How many know what I'm talking about in that kind of waiting? It's not a fun waiting at all. It's the kind of waiting that's difficult and hard because you don't know the end result and you don't know when the answer is going to come, even if it's going to come at all. We talked about waiting for marriage. Maybe you're waiting for love. (laughs) You've been waiting for Mr. Right or Miss Right. Maybe you are waiting for that child. You would love to have that anticipation of knowing that you are pregnant and and that child, that boy or girl is coming. You're waiting, though, to conceive, not knowing whether or not that day is going to come. Maybe you're waiting for the results from a doctor. Or maybe you're waiting for the wrongs in your life to be made right. We are not necessarily a liturgical church, but Advent is a part of the liturgical season. And we don't always talk about Advent at Christmas, but this year we are going to. I felt in my heart that it was important and this was a great time for us to look at Advent. I know many of you grew up with Advent and you recognize that and you're really happy that we're talking about it. For others of you, you're unfamiliar and you maybe you've always wondered what that is. Well, Advent is a four-week period leading up to Christmas that celebrates the anticipation and coming of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. The origin of Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which simply translates coming or the arrival. 
Now, this season of Advent brings with it a sense of anticipation and joy. I remember having uh, growing up as a child with an Advent calendar. Do any of you remember that? Had Advent calendars growing up or parents, you do that? Okay, only a few of us. But if you're not familiar with what an Advent calendar is, it's made out of paper or cardboard, and there's 25 boxes that you peel back representing each day of the year, each day during December. And when you open that box, what's inside? A piece of candy, a piece of chocolate or something like that. And so each day it builds with excitement. A child, I grew up looking forward to that little piece of chocolate. That's a part of Advent. Another thing that you will often see, we're not necessarily doing it here, is there will be a candle lighting each weekend, leading up, letting you know that Christmas is almost here. There is a waiting and anticipation that comes with Advent that is joyful because it's exact. We know what's coming at the end, and we know it will be good, and we know exactly how many days it is until it arrives. Let me put you to a test. How many days are there left till Christmas? 22. All right, the last service said 23, so they're all celebrating it apparently on the 26th. No, there are 20, 22 days left till Christmas. We know exactly when our waiting will end, and I guarantee you your kids do as well. However... With Advent, there also is a waiting that is open-ended and it's challenging because there is a waiting that is a reminder of uncertainty. We don't know when what we are hoping for will come to pass because, you see, the Advent season not only celebrates the birth of Jesus at Christmas, but Advent also looks ahead in anticipation to when Jesus will return. We celebrate in December on the 25th, the day that God became flesh and dwelt among us, delivered Jesus as a baby. But for followers of Jesus, we also know there is a second coming of Jesus. And we wait with anticipation. And while we know that it is 22 days until Christmas, we do not know the day nor the hour when Jesus will return for the second time. Matthew talks about this in his gospel when he writes, you too, Talking to us, followers, believers in Jesus, we must keep watch because we don't know the day Jesus is coming back. We don't know the day of the Lord's coming. And he says, understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was, burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. But Jesus follower, you and I, we must be ready all the time for the son of man will come when we least expect it. So Advent celebrates the second coming and there is an anticipation we don't know. But Matthew says, you better be ready. One of the things that Advent can teach us is how to navigate these seasons in our life when we are waiting for God to move and yet we don't know when that day will come. And if we open our hearts, Advent can teach us how to wait well. So let me ask you this. What are you waiting for? And I don't mean the presence. I don't mean the things that you know are coming. What is in your life that you are waiting for that is open-ended? Maybe there is a hope or a promise that you have heard God's voice and you're waiting. Maybe you are waiting for reconciliation in a relationship. 
Maybe you are waiting to discover love. Maybe you are waiting for a son or daughter to give their faith, give their hope, put their hope and faith in Jesus Christ. You're waiting for a loved one to do that. Maybe you're waiting for healing. Maybe you're waiting for a job. What are you waiting for this season? I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet. Every now and then, I like us reading aloud God's word together, and we're going to do that this morning. If you have your Bible or your app on your phone, you can open it up to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 25, and of course, they're going to put it on the screen. But let's read God's word aloud together. Here we go. At the time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, Now let your servant die in peace, as you promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people of Israel. Father in heaven, I thank you that the Bible, your written word, is much more than words on a page. It is alive. It tells us that it has the power to cut between bone and marrow, to cut deep into our lives, to speak truth to things that we deal with on a daily basis. And the reality is many of us are waiting right now, some with anticipation, but others with trepidation. And Lord, there's this man, a righteous and devoted man that we're gonna look at today named Simeon, and he was waiting. And I believe that there are lessons that you did in his life, lessons he learned that are practical for us today. So God, I ask that your spirit would come. Lord, open our eyes, our minds to receive, our ears to hear, and give us the boldness and courage to follow you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we just read together that there was this man named Simeon, and we're gonna talk about his story in a little bit, but the Holy Spirit had promised him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Simeon. In fact, you can read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and this chapter, this, these verses that we just read, it is the only place where his name will be mentioned. Now, we do believe Simeon, because he had waited, was an older man. We know that he was Jewish, and based upon what we read, we know that he had been promised by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. Some of the versions of your Bibles will say, till he had seen the consolation of Israel. That is the hope of Israel. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly how the Holy Spirit revealed this to him. We don't know whether there was an audible voice or whether he was reading the Hebrew Scriptures and he sensed it or uh, someone else said that to him. But we do know that he believed it with all of his heart. And he waited with great anticipation until the Messiah came. And I always love thinking about the reality of who, who these people are in the Bible. 
the Bible, they're filled with real people. Simeon was a real man. He was righteous and he was devoted, which we'll talk about in a minute, but he wasn't perfect. He had fears and thoughts, emotions. He got impatient at times. And we don't know how long he waited, but it is significant and likely that he waited a while. Year after year, he watched and he waited. Simeon had experienced the letdown of seeing religious leaders who claimed to be the Messiah come and go. You see, during this time, the people of Israel, there was a faithful remnant that was waiting for this consolation of Israel, this hope of Israel. They were waiting for a Messiah, and Simeon was one of those people. And what we need to recognize is that in Israel at that time, there were men who would rise up and say they were the Messiah. And they would leave rebellions and revolutions against the Roman Empire who was, who was over and um, uh, was the empire rule of the day over the Israelites. And so we have to think that Simeon, as he went to the temple and he would hear about these uprisings and these men who would claim to be the Messiah, you have to wonder that he went, well, I wonder if he's really him. I wonder if that's him. I wonder if that's him. And each time he was let down because they weren't the true Messiah. Simeon was left waiting, and he was left wondering. And I also have to think that while the Holy Spirit promised him he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah, after letdown and after letdown, he probably asked himself, did I really even hear God's voice? How many of you have ever wondered that? Where God has spoken, you've held on to a promise, you believe God has spoken to you, and you've waited, you've waited, you've waited. And how many know questions come, doubt comes, and you go, did I even really hear God's voice? Was that just the bad food that I ate last night? (laughs) And the longer we wait, the more questions that we have. And Simeon wrestled with that. So from this simple story in these few verses, I'd like to offer us three things that we can learn from Simeon about waiting. Lessons and how each of us can wait well. They're pretty simple, But here's the first. Simeon was faithful in the waiting. And as we wait, we need to be faithful in the waiting. We just read at that time there was a man in Jerusalem, Luke writes this, named Simeon. And the first description that Luke gives us about this man, Simeon, is that he was righteous and he was devoted. He was obedient to God. He was faithful to God. He was righteous to God and he was devoted to God. He was obedient in all of his ways. He kept the law. He observed the sacrifice. He kept the festivals. He worshiped at the temple. He knew the Hebrew scriptures. He knew the story of God and the covenant promises to Abraham. And Simeon challenges us today that whatever season of waiting we are in right now, that we need to be faithful. In your season of waiting, be righteous. Continue to be obedient. Be devoted to God's ways, his word. Remain loyal and allegiant to the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this world. In your waiting, don't give up. Don't waver. Or as I used to hear at church when I was a small boy, keep on keeping on. Don't stop. Be faithful in the waiting. Simeon, as well as being faithful in the waiting, he was hopeful in the waiting. 
And so for you and I today, and that's the first meaning of the week of Advent, is hope. Be hopeful in the waiting. Just after Luke describes Simeon as righteous and devout, he writes, he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He was eager for this consolation of Israel, which means hope of Israel. Simeon's faithfulness led him to be eager and hopeful while he waited. He trusted in what God had promised in Scripture. He had experienced God's faithfulness before, and that fueled his hope and his anticipation. He maintained hope while he waited. It's important for you and I, as followers of Jesus, as believers, to distinguish biblical hope from the world's definition of hope. You see, oftentimes, we fall into the same trap or the same pattern when the world talks about hope it means to wish or simply to want something to happen let me give you an example we'll say things like well I hope my kids turn out to be okay I hope that my boyfriend gives me a diamond ring for Christmas this year I hope that I get this job yet statements like these cheapen hope's definition Because statements like those are grounded on personal feelings and personal desires. And any hope that is based on feeling is a hope that is subject to disappointment. But hope for the believer, hope for the Christ follower is different. For us, our hope always depends on the reliability of the one who makes the promise. Hope should never be based on our wishful Feelings are our wishful thinking. Hope is based on the reality of God our Father. God who became flesh and dwelt among us. Simeon had hope that was based on a purpose because of God's faithfulness. He trusted God in the waiting because what he had seen. If that song, Trust in God, had been written back in Simeon's day, I can imagine he would have sang that bridge. I sought the Lord. He heard and he answered. That's why I trust him. It resonates with us. We hold hope. We continue in hope because we have seen how God has answered, how he has worked in our past. And that fuels our anticipation for the future. There's a lyric, the big idea for this weekend, there's a lyric of a song. I love it that that I want us to grasp. And that's this, hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. Hope is the personification of Jesus, or Jesus is the personification of hope. Hope is the assurance of the one who is already here and has already come. And we sing about this at Christmas. There's a Christmas carol that we all know, O Little Town of Bethlehem, that reiterates this in a line. Remember the line of that song? Yet in thy dark streets shineth. The everlasting light. Sing this with me. The hopes and all the are what are met in thee tonight. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, are met in the person of Jesus. Hope is, a pers- is the personification. Jesus is the personification of hope. He has a name and his name is Jesus. So while we are waiting, be faithful. Don't waver. 
and remain hopeful in the person of Jesus. And here's the third thing Simeon teaches us, and, and I believe he saves the best for last. We are to be spirit-led in the waiting. We read this earlier. Luke tells us it was the Holy Spirit that was upon Simeon. It was the Holy Spirit that had revealed to him he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And then my favorite verse in this whole story is this. We read it earlier. Luke writes, that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. And then it says, Simeon was there. Now, Again, I love thinking about the humanity of Bible characters. And I have to imagine, again, we don't know, maybe he waited 20, 30, 40 years for Jesus. And what, one day when we get to heaven, I wanna ask Simeon, Simeon, did you ever take a day off? Like, was there an ever, ever a day where you decided, you know what, I have gone to the temple every day for 25 years. Today, I'm not gonna go because it hasn't happened yet. Now, if I'm Simeon, I'm gonna be honest, there probably would be a day I would take off. <laughs> I don't know, but that day, the Holy Spirit led Simeon to the temple. And that day, scripture says, Simeon was there and Simeon held the hope of Israel in his arms. Now imagine if he had not listened or he had not heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, Simeon would have missed out. If we do not hear the voice of the Spirit, we will miss out. So the very thing that you're hoping for, the very thing that you're waiting for, if you are not spirit-led, you could miss out on the promise of God. Which leads to the question, well, how do you hear? Again, scripture doesn't tell us exactly how Simeon heard the voice of the spirit that day. All that we know is that he heard it and he responded in obedience. Again, he could have been reading the Hebrew scriptures that morning. It could have been an audible voice. Scripture doesn't say it could have been a still small voice in his spirit that said, today's the day, Simeon, you, don't you dare skip, you need to go. It could have been that he hit the alarm and hit snooze and God used his wife. Simeon, aren't you gonna get out of bed and go to the temple today? How many of you know God can use your spouse? Mine's sitting right over there. It could have been other believers, we don't know, but the spirit of God will speak in different ways. What we do know is that he heard the voice of the God of God, the voice of the Spirit, and he showed up and he held the Savior in his arms. Paul writes this in chapter eight, verse 14. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And what we can discern from that is that if we are flesh-led and not spirit-led, we are not children of God. So as you wait, if you're trying to discern, all I can tell you is I do know from relationships that the more you spend time with someone, the more you know their heart and the more you will recognize their voice. And so the more you spend time in his word, which by the way, the Bible is the first and foremost and the most important way in which God speaks to his people. 
So I can guarantee you this. If you spend time reading this book every day, meditating on this book, memorizing his word, you will begin to recognize and learn and hear the voice of the father. If you pray, and I don't mean just voice your wants, desires, concerns, needs, fears, but if you eventually find time to close your mouth and listen and say, God, I want to hear from you, you will begin to learn the voice of the father. If you come and gather with the saints and believers and worship God together, surround yourself with men and women who know God's voice, it will become more familiar to you. The more you spend time with the Father, you will recognize his voice when he speaks. But if you don't recognize his voice, you could miss in the waiting. You know this, and there's a story, I'll I'll relate it this way. My son, 20 years old, plays basketball, and last year we were playing a rival, and uh, he plays D2 basketball, and he was on the bench during this game, and I won't name the school because <laughs> uh, we don't like him very much, they're a rival. But <laughs> the point guard was killing us. I mean, he would take it, to, I mean, we just, it was like the Red Sea, the just, we just let him drive to the hole. And like, he was lighting us up for like 20, 30 points. Finally, I see Coach Hannah, get down here. He puts him in, and this is a away game. So there's several thousand people there, and they don't like us, we don't like them. Finally, that point guard comes driving through the lane again, and Hannah knew what his job was. That boy went to the rack. My son did not let him get anywhere near the rack, and let's just say it was pretty physical. And in that moment, there were about 2,000, 2,500 people that stood up that were screaming and booing at my son, yelling to the refs, kick him out, and I mean, seriously calling him some names. What do you think his dad did? Come on, son, don't let him get to the rack. You better go, boy. Coach coach pulled him out, tapped him on the butt. My son looked up me and I just smiled real big. Now here's the thing, here's the point. There are a lot more voices in that stadium shouting at him. But his dad was clapping and yelling, saying, son, good job. Now, it was loud in that stadium. But my son knew his father's voice. How did he know? Because he had spent 20 years with me. He had heard me talk to him. He had, he had spent time with his dad. He may not have heard everything I, I said, but he was walking back the bench. He looked up and he knew his dad was proud. And here's the thing. So for us in these seasons of waiting, when you're in the arena and there's chaos and there's all these other voices talking, the way you will know the voice of the father is if you spend time with him you will recognize the voice of the father. And when you do, he will lead you just like he led Simeon to the temple so that you will see your promise revealed. Be faithful in the waiting. Be hopeful in the waiting. Be spirit-led in the waiting. Jesus is hope personified. And this first weekend of Advent represents that hope. Simeon realized this. And so should we. So my question is, will you be faithful while you're waiting? Will you be hopeful while you're waiting? And will you recognize the Spirit's voice, the Father's voice, and be led by him in the waiting? Stand to your feet this morning. I've asked the worship team to just close us in one verse and a chorus of this song so that we can respond in worship. As they come, I want to remind you of the prophet Isaiah's words. 
Isaiah said, they who wait on the Lord. This is a promise from God. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But in that waiting, be faithful, be hopeful, and be spirit-led. for us to dismiss. And as we do, um, I'm going to ask our prayer team, uh, those that are on our prayer team, would you come forward and just line up across the front? Any staff pastors here at ACAC and elders that are here would be available to pray. Um, they're going to go back into the chorus. We're officially going to dismiss. You're dismissed. Um, but I want you to know that, that we're here willing to pray with you. Maybe you are in that season of waiting Maybe it's hard for you to be faithful and you would like just to be encouraged in your soul and your spirit today. Maybe you need hope. Your tank is empty and you're asking God to give you more hope. Or maybe you're discerning to hear the spirit's voice and you just want to pray. Maybe you haven't committed your life to Christ. And you want to do that and take that step today. We want to pray with you. As I dis dismiss us today, let me give you this benediction. The psalmist writes, let all that I am wait quietly before God for my hope is in him he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress fortress and I will not be shaken my victory and honor come from God alone he is my refuge a rock where no enemy can reach me oh my people trust in him at all times pour out your heart to him for God is our refuge. We're here to pray with you today. God bless you. Be hopeful, be faithful, and be spirit-led this week. You're dismissed.